0: Our Bible opened to Revelation 8. We have not gotten very far in this chapter, and we may not finish it tonight. We need to review and remember where we are as we study this. So let's pray together before we go. Father, we ask you to guide us as we look into the Word of God. Open our hearts. Open our eyes. Open our spiritual being to grasp the truths that you are presenting concerning those things which are to shortly come to pass. And may we be so advised by the word of God that we'll not be afraid. At the same time we'll not be arrogant in self confidence, but our confidence will be placed deeply in Christ. We ask it in his name, amen. As we've mentioned several times in the study of Revelation, it is important that we know that the word apocalypse means the unveiling. It is not hidden. The word apocrypha refers to those hidden books between Malachi and Matthew, and most of them spurious. They were not written by who they were said to be written by. And they were, you might say, forgeries, though one can receive some instruction by reading them, but they were never part of the canon, that is, the received, inspired scripture. When you get to the book of Revelation, we have a different word, the apocalypse. That means the unveiling. And the the chapter 1 begins with, the revelation or the revealing or the unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave to Jesus to reveal to his, his servant, John, so that the world could be warned. There are 22 chapters in Revelation, and in chapter one, John saw a vision of the glorified Christ, and before that vision, he heard the word, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, Behold, I come with clouds and great glory. And then he saw the vision of the glorified Christ. Now, the reason it's important for us to remember that is because the last view the world had of Jesus, he was on a cross. Nothing to look at. Despised. We esteemed him not. We ran away. All those at the cross ran when the earth trembled and the sun did not shine. And Mary was there, and John was there, and Jesus said, woman, behold thy son, and son, behold thy mother. Thus making arrangements for his own dearest human being, his own mother, Mary. Now Mary was a godly woman, a wonderful person, Sometimes we ignore her because our friends and other churches have tried to worship her. There's nothing in the scripture that tells us to worship Mary. She was a sinner just like we're a sinner. She was a human being like we're a human being. But she certainly was an unusual person. And God chose her to be the vehicle through whom the Savior of the world would come into the world. <clears throat> Well, she was out there at the cross and John was out at the cross and everybody else ran away. And then Jesus died. And Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who had come to Jesus by night, came and lovingly and tenderly lifted the body from the cross and took it to a borrowed tomb in the garden and laid it there. He was dead. We have to search other places in the scripture to find out what was going on while Jesus' body was dead. Thou wilt not leave his soul in hell nor suffer thy holy one to see corruption. And so on the first day on Sunday morning when the women got there, they saw the tomb was empty and in eyes of faith they saw Jesus, the Lamb of God who had been raised from the dead. As far as we can tell in reading the scripture, only saved people saw the resurrected Christ. Now he was seen by a lot of people. He was seen by 500 at one time, but only saved people. Now do you know the same thing is true today? The only people that really recognize who Jesus is, is those who are willing to have him come into their hearts who are hungry for him. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And so that vision of the glorified Christ, a Christ that was set for judgment is the theme of chapter one. And so the Lord said, John, you write the things which you've seen. That's that's the glorified Christ. Then you write the things which are, that's chapter two and three, the revelation, two and three, the seven churches. Now those churches were real churches in the day in which John wrote. A church at Ephesus, a church at Philadelphia, a church at Laodicea, a church at Thyatira and Pergamos and so on. Those were real churches. But they also delineated the type of churches there would be in every age of the church life. For example, today, there are churches like Ephesus that left its first love. There are churches like Sardis that has a name that it's alive but it's really dead. There are churches like Laodicea that are lukewarm, they make God sick. And then there are churches like Philadelphia to whom God has given an open door and no man can close it. Those churches represented the ages of the church. And many believe that we are in the Laodicean age today. Even though there are churches today like all the churches, there are some red hot Some of the greatest soul-winning churches that have been in history are in action today. We think of First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. First Baptist Church in Hammond, Indiana. 25,000 in Sunday school every Sunday. I think of Brother Lonnie Mattingly's church in Louisville where he took a little church that was dying, just a few people, and they have over 1,000 in Sunday school. They had 2,200 people walk down the aisles last year professing Christ as Savior. Uh, That's victory. That's revival. So there are a lot of soul winning churches today and great churches. But the preponderance of the church of the Lord today, lukewarm. We're trying all kinds of worldly methods to get the attention of people. You need to be cautious about that. God told us to come out of the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. So we keep all that in mind. So those are the seven churches. And then he said, write the things which shall be. This is in chapter one, verse 19, the outline of Revelation. And the things which shall be start in Revelation chapter four and go through chapter 22. The things which shall be are future. They're future to us right now. They haven't happened yet. There are some who study the book of Revelation and they understand it to be all historical. As if everything in it has already happened, but you can't read very far and find out that that hasn't happened yet. So chapter four, he heard a voice, say, come up here, and he saw, first of all, the scene set in heaven, and the great throne of God, and the great songs that were being sung. Those, that's in chapters 4 and 5. And they sang, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive riches and honor and power and glory. And has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation. And then in chapter 6, we have a quick panoramic view of what's going to happen at the end. The six are the seven seal judgments. There are three series of judgments in Revelation the seal judgments, seven of them, the trumpet judgments, seven of them, and the bowl or vile judgments, seven of them, and each more severe than the other. So as we read chapter 6, We read about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We read about those souls under the altar who have been slain for the word of God and they cry out, oh Lord, how long, how long? Then we come into a parenthetical chapter in chapter seven and we read about the 144,000. Now that term has become very popular in our world because there's a group who call themselves witnesses that say there are 144,000 that'll be in heaven. Well, that's a misunderstanding. These 144,000 are Jews. If you understand anything about the Bible, you have to understand when it says they're the 12,000 of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 of the tribe of Gad and so on and so on, that these are Jewish people. What's happened? When we are taken in the rapture, when the believers are caught up to be with the Lord, the gospel will come again to the world through, now listen, the Jews, just like it did before Calvary. Did you know that all the first Christians were Jews? The disciples of Jesus were all Jews. And until John the Baptist was a Jew, and until Christ announced and revealed himself to Paul to become a missionary of the Gentiles, the whole work was Jewish, And in the Old Testament from the time of Noah and Abraham to the time of Malachi the word of God came to the world through the Jews and when Jesus rose from the grave he had given the commission to the Christians to the disciples to go into all the world not just the Jews but everywhere and they did that and in that first century the gospel was preached in Egypt. It was preached in Alexandria, it was preached in India, it was preached in Spain, it was preached in Italy, it was preached in the Balkan countries, and it even went up so far as England. All over the then known world. And most of those people were Gentiles. And the scripture speaks of the time when the fullness of the Gentiles will come. That is, the last Gentile to be saved walks down somebody's aisle and confesses Christ as savior, that moment will be the end of this age and the rapture will take place and we'll be caught up together to be with the Lord. It could happen tonight, right in this room. Well, after the rapture, the 144,000 Jewish preachers and evangelists go out into the world. Now there are some that misunderstand 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. There's a big question today. Can people who have heard the word of God be saved after the tribulation starts? If uh, If we understand 2 Thessalonians 2, look in your Bible at 2 Thessalonians 2 for just a moment. If we understand that, I think we'll have the answer to that question. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Look at it rather carefully for a moment. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now this is a chapter that deals with the Antichrist. The coming of the man of sin. Now I want to read a little bit of it. Now beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither be by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand." Now some had apparently written a letter saying that uh, Christ had already come, and we've been left behind. But look at verse 3, "...let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not, that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity hath already work; Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Who is that? He that now letteth. Friend, I believe that's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that stems the tide of terrible wickedness. Our world is getting darker and darker. The percentage of believers has been shrinking for some time now. When I started preaching at Glendale, 35 to 45 percent of the world were professing Christians of some type. Every every stripe, you know, that included every group. Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons and the, all the cults and everything. Now, the percentage is less than 20 percent in the world. Well, it's going to get darker. And the believers help hold back sin. This is the reason you could never convince me that I would have vote wet in a wet, dry election. Liquor is a wicked, wicked device of the devil to try to delude and hurt and uh, disturb and destroy families. Same thing with gambling. The same thing with all the things that were going on right in our city now, trying to give special rights to people who live in, in lifestyles opposed to the word of God. And so, right now, you and I, in whom the Holy Spirit lives, are the ones that need to block all of that. That's That's the reason every believer ought to vote. Take a stand. Find out where those candidates stand and uh, quiz them on it. Let's elect people that believe in the Lord. Well, he says, that he that letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And when he's taken out of the way, the winds of wickedness will flow like a flood. And this is in the tribulation. All right, let's go on. Verse 8, Then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord hath consumed with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now, if I notice that, verse 10, with be- deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received, past tense, not the love of the truth that they might be saved. I think that's referring to people before the tribulation started, before the rapture, who rejected Christ. If you're in this room tonight and you've rejected Christ, you may be one of those. There's still time for you though, Christ hasn't come. And you can, there's an open heaven. Uh, It was so precious to be able to talk to that man in the hospital today and, and just tell him, he's an older man, but he's not too late. He can open his heart to the Lord and give God a chance in his life. Anybody in this room can do the same thing. But there's coming a day when if you do not receive the truth, you will not be able to receive the truth. The old preachers used to talk about sending away your day of grace. You've heard stories of people said, well, I would like to be saved, but I just can't be. I don't know whether that's true or not. As long as there's life, I believe there's hope. But I've had people tell me, I would like to be saved, but I can't. I've, I've sent away my day of grace. And what that means is they've become spiritually hard of hearing. Like a man that gives his life to the railroad. My dad was an example of that. He was on the trains all of his life, 50 years and so many times on the front engine of the train. A front, edge, front brakeman and then sometimes a flagman and others. And in his old age he was hard of hearing. He couldn't hardly hear anything. It wasn't hardening of the arteries. He had complete facilities. He knew what he was doing. But he couldn't hear. And there are people that have heard the gospel. And turned it down and said no, 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 no. So many times. They have spiritual hardening of the arteries spiritually. They can't hear the gospel. And that's what he's talking about. They received not the knowledge of the truth. Now let's go on and look. Verse 11. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I've been reading some of the series, Left Behind. That's a wonderful, wonderful book. I I would recommend it to everybody. But the author is not schooled in this chapter. And he assumes that people can be saved after the tribulation begins, after Christ comes. I think this scripture, at least as I see it, teaches that that's impossible. Nobody will be saved who has heard the gospel and rejected it. They'll believe a lie. That's what this says Now who are the hundred and forty four thousand going to talk to? They're going to talk to the millions that we have not witnessed to Did you know in this world there are six billion people now? That's hard to believe And only about two and a half billion of them know anything about Christ That means there are three billions of people that we've let slip through our fingers. That's who the 144,000 Jews are gonna witness to. And those two witnesses in chapter 11 of Revelation. And there'll be many people saved during that time. But those who have heard the truth and rejected it, I don't believe they'll have an opportunity. Now you may see it another way, but that's the way I understand what God is saying and so we come to this tribulation period and when we come to the end of chapter 6 the seventh judgment seventh sealed the seventh seal judgment opens and it begins the seven trumpet judgments and the very first Bible says in chapter 8 verse 1 there was silence in heaven They put their hand up, they could hardly believe what was going to happen on this earth. The terrible tyranny, the terrible judgment that would come upon this earth. I was in high school and learned in in class, I don't know whether it was physics or biology, that you couldn't split an atom. Professor absolutely said that was impossible. My textbook said that was impossible. And right while we were studying it, a news broadcast came on the radio saying they have split the atom. You see, the science books are not always right. And in a few months and so on, they developed the atomic bomb. And we all know the rest of the story about that. And when I first heard about Hiroshima and Nagasaki, I was a young boy, but I wept. Thousands and thousands of people were hurt and maimed and killed. I could hardly believe a thing like that could happen. It's gonna be worse than that during the tribulation. That's all the time I have tonight. But oh, listen, don't miss these next exciting adventures as we study what God is going to do in the years ahead. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the word of God in all of its power and potency. We pray that will give us an understanding of what God is going to do. That truth will not be forever on the scaffold and wrong on the throne, but there will be an evening up day where God will reign supreme. Stir our hearts to care about the lost while we can reach them, lest they go beyond hope and can never be saved we pray in jesus name amen let's stand please what are we going 331, 331 why do you wait dear brother why do you tarry so long let me encourage you if you're here tonight and you're not positive you're saved you're not positive you're going to heaven come and let us talk with you let us just pray with you I encourage you to come to Christ tonight, and if you're already saved, if God is dealing with your heart about some matter, have the victory. Do what he tells you to do while we begin to sing, will you come?